Welcome to episode two of The Bead Queen. On this episode, I'm going to talk about the beginning of my business. What did it look like? What did it feel like? What did I have to learn through trial and error? So let's jump right in. In the very beginning of my business, that first $864 investment that I made on my credit card came in one large box. I was ecstatic. I had been pulling pictures from the factory's website. I had them ready to rock. I just hadn't posted them yet to my group. So picture this. We lived in a really quaint three-level, like split-level home in Omaha, Nebraska. On the first floor, the entry floor, there was a small wood-paneled room, and I called it my That 70s Room office. That was where my pretty posh princess started, in That 70s Room office. (laughs) Now, if you watch my videos on TikTok or Instagram or any other social media, you have seen the storage containers, those three drawer, mostly white containers that I have in my various bead rooms. Those Fairlight containers I adapted just a couple years ago, but in the beginning, imagine one of those tall, kind of narrow, three or five drawer Fairlight storage systems. The drawers are kind of deep, if you know what I'm kind of talking about, And I had that sitting next to my desk. And inside of those drawers, I had gallon-size Ziploc bags. Inside of those bags, I had each color and style of bead. So they were separated by color and style. And in the beginning, I carried a handful of colors that I thought would be important for solids, for pearls, for rhinestones. And I think I may have had a couple of stripes in striped and polka dots. That was it. And I had those spacers. If you listen to episode one, I had talked about one of the promotional things that I did to get people to join my group was tell them about this grand opening sale that I was going to be having and I was going to be offering free spacers with every order. So here we are in my That 70s Room wood panel office. I've got a desk I've got a cheap laptop computer. I've got a tall three to five drawer Sterilite container with Ziploc bags full of beads and Google Forms. So I set up a Google Form where a customer could fill out their name and their email for their PayPal invoice and they could write, they would type in there exactly what they wanted after they commented on the pictures on Facebook from my group. And that was kind of how I kept track of inventory. I would say I have 10 sets of 10 available. So customers were ordering in sets of 10 typically of these beads. And so the next person that clicks on the picture would see, okay, there's four people ahead of me. So there's six sets left. If there were 10 sets available, pretty simple math. I had to figure out something better than that because once the Google form was submitted, it would come to my email, I believe, and I would be going back and forth and then I would have to update the inventory on the pictures. I mean, if you can imagine this in your mind, at the time I didn't really have a huge selection, but I had at least like 60 or 70 different 
colors or types of beads. So I've got 60 or 70 products that I'm constantly having to go back and update, which was a lot of work. So eventually I moved to a platform called Shop Envy. And that I do believe is still available today. It's very similar to Etsy. My motivation behind Shop Envy was for inventory tracking. This shop enabled me to upload my products and my inventory and allow my customers to shop and check out without waiting for me to invoice them, which from a business aspect is a thousand times better because if your customer has the option to finish their transaction, then it's less likely that they will decide not to buy. So between that time when they comment on a picture and I send them an invoice, they may decide, okay, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. However, just like you and I, when we're shopping on any outlet like Amazon, if you had to add something to your cart and then send them an email and wait for them to message you back, would you really, in the end, buy it? You don't know. It, it's just different. So Shop Envy was a huge step in transition for my business, which at the time was still called RTS, which, again, from episode one means ready to ship. It was RTS Chunky Beats Wholesale. If I had to put a time frame on it, because it really was a blur in the beginning, I want to say that my Shop Envy store opened about five or six months after I initially started. So it may have been the beginning of the new year, 2014, when I finally figured out this inventory tracking solution with Shop Envy. Because having no prior knowledge of how to run a business and how to keep track of inventory, I was desperate for help with that. So Shop Envy was huge for me at that point in time. I was still working wee hours of the night. I still had my two young children. I'll never forget that at the time, my sister Christina lived with my husband and I and our children. And in that split-level home, you, when you walked through the front door, there was kind of an entryway. Then there was a door to go to the garage. There was a door to my That 70s paneled office, my, my first bedroom. And then there was a door to go downstairs to the basement, which also was laundry. But my sister was down there. And so at night, when I would be working those late nights, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, I didn't have a label printer. I had a regular inkjet printer. When I was printing these shipping labels, I was constantly pulling my packing tape. So it's just like rip, rip, rip all night long. I'll never forget her commenting on that. She said that she just heard tape ripping all night long for months um, while she was trying to sleep. Which is, it's just funny to think back on that. I, I could not label my packages now with an inkjet printer. I would go through a thing of ink in one day. But in the beginning, that truly, those were my processes because I didn't know better. I had to learn. I had to learn shipping. I had to learn about 
how much things weigh and the type of packaging that I needed if I could get it for free from the USPS website or if I needed to purchase it. If I needed to purchase it, where do I get it from? And in the beginning, I purchased most of my shipping supplies from eBay. Today, you can find them on eBay. You can find them on Amazon. Um, but I now currently purchase my padded envelopes that are not priority from valuemailers.com. Um, I really love them. But that was something that took time to learn. I had never shipped before. I had to learn how to keep track of my expenses for taxes. Everything that you buy as a business owner that has something to do with your business, you need to keep that receipt, whether it's a physical receipt from the store or printed invoice for something you purchase online or even keeping track of your mileage if you're driving your personal vehicle for work-related things. Those are things I did not think about for the first couple of months. And if you have to backtrack an entire year's worth of expenses for your taxes, you're going to be really upset with yourself. So from the get-go, you need to be keeping track of your expenses. That's something I had to learn. Again, how to keep track of inventory. When I went to Shop Envy, that was huge for me because prior to that, inventory was just this juggling act of constantly counting and recounting and, and figuring out where I was at so I knew what to order. I also had to learn customs and duties and how to import as there are no bead manufacturers in the United States. So I do have to import my products. And many times, big name shipping companies like UPS or FedEx, they handle that for you. They are kind of your importing agent where when something gets to customs, they handle that paperwork and then they'll send you the bill for the tariffs. You have to pay duties on products that you import for your business. And this is something that I wasn't super familiar with. So I, you know, we get a bill from FedEx or UPS and like, what is this? So that's another thing you have to keep in mind if you're importing like I am. Another thing that I had to learn the hard way is about being scammed. And if you are going to have a business that requires importing especially, you need to be extremely careful who you're trusting with your money. Because once you send money overseas, once you send money internationally, it's a lot harder to get it back if it's not legit than if you were sending money to somebody here in our country or in your country. And I learned that the hard way. There were times that I thought I had trusted suppliers and I didn't. For instance, there's a website that I'm sure many people are familiar with, AliExpress.com. AliExpress is very similar to Etsy, but in a manufacturing kind of way. And what I mean by that is that I think people have a false impression that Ally Express is like a, a company and everything that's on there is guaranteed. And it's not. Anybody can sell on Ally Express. So somebody who has zero products on hand 
and no intention of getting them can open a store on AliExpress and you can spend hundreds and thousands of dollars and never get the product. It happens. So you have to be ridiculously careful. Could you get your money back? You could, but sending money internationally can be risky and it can take months or years to get your money back if ever, if you are scammed. So I recommend to research and research and research and form quality connections with the real deal, not five people through the chain. I buy factory direct. I know the factory's name. I know their address. I've spoke to most of the owners. I know when I'm sending 60, 70, 80,000 dollars overseas that I'm getting my product. But I had to learn that the hard way. So make sure that you're doing your due diligence with your research and if something looks too good to be true, it probably is. Another thing that I had to learn along the way was about testing and safety for my, in particular, products because they are marketed to children as well. People make jewelry with these for children. It's really important that they're CPSIA certified. And there had been previous instances with other people that sell beads buying from some of these scammy places on AliExpress and these beads are full of lead. Lead. Beads for children full of lead. That's horrible. So you have to do your due diligence. Mine obviously are not, mine are all CPSIA certified. So I don't have to worry about that, but It's something I had to learn. I had to learn about safety procedures and protocols and certificates and and ask for these things. Another thing that I had to learn first starting my business was how to manage my money. Managing your money is one of the hardest things to do once your business is up and rolling. Because it's so tempting to think that that money is yours personally. Oh, I made this money from my business. And if you think that way, your business will not thrive. I reinvested my profits to grow. For the first year or more, I reinvested almost 100% of my profits back into my business so that I could grow. I would turn a $10 investment into a $30 investment and a $30 investment into a $100 investment and then a $100 investment into a $600 investment, so on and so forth, to where that initial purchase was $864 and then the next one was probably $1,500 and then eventually $3,000 order. And now I pay, I you know, I make $20,000 or $30,000 orders a week with the factory during, you know, busy times. But I got there because I made the initial decision to feed my business. I fed those profits back in. If my family needed something, because again, I started this business to fill in a gap for my family financially, then I would take what I needed, but I 
didn't actually start paying myself a regular paycheck until late 2015. So prior to that, I just here and there, if we needed $100 for groceries or if, you know, a tire blew and we needed to purchase a tire for a vehicle, I could, I would take that out of my business. Other than that, it was all reinvested for years. I, I was able to do that, which was a huge blessing to me. But it's important that if you are able to reinvest your profits, that is probably the best advice that I could give a startup business. So back to the beginning, what it looked like, what it felt like, and the things that I've learned. So I already told you about, you know, my that 70s room and my Ziploc bags and the three-drawer container and how I transitioned from Google Forms to a platform called Shop Envy. It was shortly after that that I got my first domain, which is my website address, which is myprettyposhprincess.com. That's when I came up with that name, My Pretty Posh Princess. And people ask me how I came up with that. And to be honest, I don't remember. I have no clue. I have no clue how I came up with that, but I did and it stuck. So I purchased my domain, myprettyposhprincess.com. I pointed it at Shop Envy, which was really exciting. And then shortly after, I went through another hosting company. I believe it was Busy Mama and built a website that wasn't formatted kind of like an Etsy situation. And that was when I first had my own website website, which was very exciting. That was all 2013 through early 2014. If I had to explain to you what it felt like starting this business, it felt fuzzy. It felt like a whirlwind. It felt like late nights, not seeing my husband. He worked during the day. I was with the kids during the day. He would get home and we did the switcheroo, you know, where we'd have dinner together. And then I was to my office where I could get some work done uninterrupted. And he put the kids to bed and he'd go to bed because he was at, he had to be at work sometimes six, seven o'clock in the morning. And I worked until late hours of the night and morning. My group kept growing, and as my group, like I mentioned in episode one, which was RTS, Chunky Beats Wholesale, as my group on Facebook kept growing, there was a bigger need. I found a bigger need for these people who have been purchasing from me in sets of 10 now are like, I want 50 of these beads, or I want 100 of these beads. And it was at that point in the beginning when I said to my husband, I want to buy bulk. I don't know anybody that's selling bulk unless they're a part of these crazy buy-ins. So I reinvested those pro- those profits and I started bringing in 10 bags, 100 count bags of each popular color and selling them at a bulk price. That was a turning point for my business when I started selling in bulk. I will never forget my first bulk sale. That day was about the second week of my husband's new promotion. He was working for 
an auto parts store and it was his second week. He was an account manager, so he was in direct sales. He was traveling. He had a company car. He would drive around. I'll never forget because he was standing in my That 70s bedroom. He looked so sharp with his nice button-up shirt. And I had got the shipment in the day before. I hadn't launched it yet. I told him, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. I'm going to open up the sale. I opened it up, and immediately, within an hour, I had thousands of dollars in sales. Thousands. And I was like, Austin, I don't think you can go to work today. (laughs) So we were like week two of his promotion. And he had to take a day off to help me with packing and shipping. Those initial bulk orders, I knew I was onto something. That was another pivotal moment for my pretty posh princess. We knew there's two sides to this market. There's a smaller side and the bulk side. And we tossed it around. We're like, there's just not enough room in this 70s office for bulk. We then decided we needed to move. We were in this rental, wasn't going to work. My sister, Christina, had joined the Air Force. She had left for basic training. So there was really nothing holding us to Omaha anymore. It was at that time that we purchased a true fixer-upper in my hometown in Nebraska. We remodeled it, and we moved. I had a bigger bead room there. That lasted a couple months. I outgrew that. So we purchased a store in my hometown. The building was originally a post office that was built in 1910. It had been used for many other things since then. But we did a complete remodel. We had the inventory in the back. My kids had a playroom, and I had a boutique up front, which was very, very cool. I really loved that. We were there for about a year, at which point we decided to move to Colorado, back to Colorado. So my husband is from Colorado, and I am from Nebraska. And our move to Colorado was another pivotal point for my business. When we moved to Colorado and my business went out of the store and back into our home, I had to make some decisions about what my true goals and aspirations were for my business. But that's a story for another podcast. The beginning of my business really did look and feel like a that 70s wood panel room, like a fuzzy late night whirlwind of work and a long list of trial and error learning opportunities. I'm thankful for each and every one of them because every single step along the way helped me get to where I am today. Thank you for listening to the beginning of My Pretty Posh Princess. And stay tuned for episode three, where I will talk about the transition that I made in 2015.